pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Funny episode 260. Today I'm going to chat with Jana Reeves, discuss a leak about how the ATF is targeting FRT owners, highlight a new red dot from Hollison, and talk about a pistol confiscation from Toronto that you won't believe. I am your host, Ava Flannell. Janet, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I mean, I guess as well as I can be still haven't sold my house. I closed on my new house in less than 30 days. I still need to figure out blinds, appliances, furniture, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm doing okay. And then I also take another trip this weekend to go to North Carolina to film with stag arms and classic firearms. So I'm kind of all over the place, but you know what? Nothing's on fire yet. Well, I say that, I mean, Physically, nothing has caught on fire, but I do feel like everything's on fire. But yeah, I, I guess I'm doing okay. I'm still alive. <laughs> You're like the meme of the little dog sitting surrounded by fire drinking coffee. And he's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yes, that's exactly that's what I feel you. like. <laughs> I feel like after I get through this, I'm like, oh, I can get through anything. I'm yeah. I'm prepared. All right. So before we get into the show, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. They do have something coming out that's going to be releasing pretty soon. I'm really excited to share that with you. But unfortunately, the show comes out before they release that. So let's talk about another newish release that they released in January, which was the Shield Plus Chambered in 30 Super Carry from Federal. I love 30 Super Carry. You really have to shoot it to feel the difference, but it just shoots so much better than nine. It holds 20% more ammo like the Smith & Wesson Shield 30 Super Carry. So now it means that you hold 13 rounds in the flush mag and 16 rounds in the slightly extended mag, which is pretty impressive for the footprint of the gun. It's available in optic ready with night sights and has the new flat face trigger. You can get them with or without the thumb safety. I always get mine without. And MSRP on these is $595, which is pretty good, especially for the Shield Plus that comes with all the upgrades. If you want to check this out, head on over to smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right. So Janice, I'm really excited to have you on. I was actually thinking back this morning when I first got into the industry, which for the longest time I was like, oh, I haven't been in the industry that long. And like now it's like, it feels like I've been in the industry forever. It's almost been 10 years. But I remember when I first started out in the industry, I remember like watching your videos and following you on social media. And you were definitely one of the women that I looked up to right up there with like Julie Golub. I'm like super excited to have you on. I'm kind of like fangirling a little bit. <laughs> that's funny because i'm actually a fangirl of yours too, so. <laughs> shut up stop yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean you're just like you're such a badass and then you took a little bit of a break and from my understanding you're kind of getting back into it like you just did a competition shoot right not too long ago yeah that's right i did um it was the first major match that i've shot in three years and it was great. I'm a little out of shape, but it was it was great to be back. I'm like, aren't we all at this point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and if anybody doesn't know who Jana Reeves is, you do competition shooting. And how long have you been doing that for? Um, I started out, my first uh, competition was in 2013. So I've been around the firearms industry a little bit longer than that, but I, I first started competing in 2013. Okay, nice. And is like guns something that you grew up with? Like when did you pick up a gun and, and shoot for the first time? Uh, well, I grew up in a rural area and guns were just kind of, you know, they were always around. I never really had a feeling about them one way or the other, but I never had shot a gun myself until um, about two years before I started shooting competition. Mm -hmm. And um, I just randomly kind of some things happened and I decided that I wanted to be able to defend myself. And so I went and walked into a gun store, bought a gun and kind of went from there. 
Do you remember what that first gun was? It was a uh, a Keltec 380. Huh, so. Nice, <laughs> isn't it funny? Yeah. It's funny how like we look back at like some of the guns we bought and it's like, oh God, if we could just, it's like, you know, that meme where if you look back at your Facebook statuses from like 10 years ago and you're like, what was I thinking? I was such a loser. It's like the same thing. Like, you know, when you talk about like the first guns that you purchased. (laughs) It's so true. And I love, like, I have some Keltex now that I actually love, but that particular gun, you know, I was a completely new shooter, never had really pulled the trigger on a gun at all. Yeah. And so I walk into there with the mentality of like, oh, a smaller gun is probably easier to shoot and, you know, just made every mistake that a a brand new gun buyer could make and ended up with a pistol that was really difficult to shoot and learn on. But Mm -hmm. I loved it anyway. I was immediately hooked. Yeah. Nice. And then from there, when did you start getting into competition? Um, So I think it was about two years after that. And I had I really like. Once I got into guns, I just kind of dove into the deep end with it. Like I really became immersed in it and got into the gun industry and working in the gun industry. And um, I just saw a three gun video on YouTube and I was like, well, that looks super fun. And I don't know how to shoot a shotgun, but I want to do that. So so I um, looked up a a class. I found a class that that the uh, Noveski shooting team was doing in my area and they were doing a a shotgun only class followed by a shotgun only match. And I was like, well, that'd be a great way to get me up to speed on the shotgun. Mm -hmm. And so that was like drinking from a fire hose, but it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's funny. Actually, you know, I've never taken a shotgun class. Like I would say shotguns is I mean, I would have been like shotguns and AKs, but I did just recently take an AK class and I feel fairly confident using an AK now. But yeah, shotguns is something that I don't really have a lot of experience with either. Yeah, that's exactly how I was. And really they call in three gun, they call the shotgun the great equalizer because a lot of people can shoot pistol and are familiar with pistol. A lot of people can shoot rifle and are comfortable with that. But the shotgun is kind of like, a you know uncharted waters for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I was the same way. I mean, I could pick up a shotgun and point it at something and, and, you know, pull the trigger, but actually loading and handling and shooting it well and shooting it fast and managing the recoil and all that was definitely a, not a concept I was familiar with. So, yeah, um, I took the, it was a practical shotgun class and it was totally awesome. Like I learned so much and I think it was like f- 600 rounds over three days of shooting shotgun slugs Dang. and birdshot. And, um, yeah, my hands were a little sore and my shoulder was a little sore after those four days. That sounds like me after taking the AK class. Like I still have scabs and blisters on my hands and I was wearing gloves and my shoulder was like black and blue, which honestly, it doesn't matter how well you put it in that little pocket of your shoulder. I mean, it just kind of comes with the territory, especially if you don't have a lot of meat on your upper body and you're very, you know, you're small framed kind of like. I'm not so small framed anymore, but like still my upper body, (laughs) my upper body doesn't have a lot of meat in it. So what I ended up doing was like taking a washcloth from the hotel and putting it in my sports bra just to kind of give myself a little bit of padding. (laughs) Yeah, I love AKs, but you're exactly right. They're they're not, you know, they don't have the comfortability to shoot them like ARs do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then shotguns do have. I mean, there is I mean, AKs we're dealing with a wood, you know, wooden stock and a metal butt plate. Whereas like shotguns have a little bit, but still like 600 rounds, it doesn't matter how well, you know, they might have that nice butt pad on the end or something like that, or how well absorbs that recoil. I mean, it still comes with the territory where it's like, it's going to eventually sort of wear on your shoulder. Especially over three days. And I think a normal person in that match probably shot like 400 rounds, but I missed a lot. So I shot like 600 rounds. (laughs) It was my own fault. Nice. And then tell me from there. So you, okay. So you get up to speed with shotgun, you join the first match and then where did you go from there? Well, I think that was just like that going to that whole, to that match and choosing that shotgun class and everything was such a huge blessing to me because I met the Noveski shooting team there and those guys really took me under their wing. So I, I met all those three guys. It was Jansen, Rob and James at the time. And they were like, we feel like you have a lot of potential and we would like to work towards putting you on the Noveski team because they had had a previous female on the team and she's one of my shooting idols. She's awesome. Her name is Katie Harris at the time, but she got married. So she was in the army marksmanship unit. 
she was like such an idol of mine. So I was like, wow, like I could actually be on the Novesky team too. And so they took me under their wing, especially James Casanova. And he worked with me a lot and I started going to matches with those guys. And I learned so much having them mentor me. So that was, that was such a huge part of, of me getting into three gun is having those guys to sort of walk me through it and give me all of their tips and tricks. Cause three gun is a lot, mm-hmm. There's a lot to learn. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I mean, if you think about it, you sign up for a class and then they basically just right from like out of the gate, they're like, Hey, we want you to be on our team. Yeah. Uh, Jansen said, he's like, we were on a stage and you shot a target and then there was this part where you had to run. And he's like, and you took off running so fast that I didn't even realize you were gone. And he's like, <laughs> that, he's like that. I felt like we could really work with that. So the shooting, you know, I had a lot, uh, yeah. a lot of uh, ground to gain on the shooting stuff, but I guess I had a little bit of natural athleticism and stuff. So that was something they saw and felt like they could, could work with. Maybe that's where my downfall is. I don't really <laughs> run too much. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because this weekend I'm flying out to North Carolina and we're supposed to be doing three gun stages, which I'm like, that is not my thing at all. And I was like, oh, there's going to be shotgun. Okay, great. Awesome. Like, But what's going to be funny is like everyone who's doing this, nobody has any three gun experience. So it's going to be like the blind leading the blind. And I don't even know what handgun we're using and if we have enough holsters for everyone. So I'm thinking like we're going to have to be taking off holsters off belts and, you know, sharing them. And it's literally just going to be like a total shit show. But the biggest thing is like anytime I've watched myself do videos, like even if it's like handgun, because I used to do like IDPA and stuff when I first started out. But me running, I run like such a girl. Like, I'm just like, ah, okay, you know, and I guess I just don't take it seriously enough where I really put in a lot of effort into my run. And obviously that's time that when you do these stages, you're being graded on, you know, like your time, your accuracy, and even as far as like your movement, like every little thing that you do just plays a role and will make or break the fact whether you win or not. And there's definitely a lot that goes into it. And then also I'd imagine, you know, right before a stage, you're probably looking over that stage thinking, okay, you know, I shoot X amount of targets. I'm going to have to do a mag reload at this part, or you have to figure out, you know, what would be the best way and to, I guess, save the amount of time and stuff. And I mean, there's a lot of thought process that goes into it, not just being able to shoot your target. That's exactly right. It, It really is planning out your stages and then moving efficiently. And, you know, we talk a lot about economy of motion when we're doing three gun training and stuff, because you want to move very efficiently through the stage. And that definitely helps save a lot of time and having a good stage plan, being able to execute that definitely saves a lot of time. But that's one of the big challenges of learning uh, competitive shooting, especially something like three gun is putting a plan together and then being able to keep it together. Once you hear that buzzer goes off, Mm -hmm. people, people just kind of can lose it when the, when they hear that buzzer, they call it buzzer brain. And, and you see them just freeze up <laughs> yeah. standing there like where am I and what am I doing yeah and actually I'm like I've I've been there that happened to me when we were doing like a two-gun shoot and I totally I shot the wrong targets I shot the targets that were supposed to be shot with handgun with a rifle <laughs> uh, it was, yeah it was great well you uh, are not alone in that because we've all done it yeah and <laughs> it I was like I, and then you look back and you're like I don't even know what I was thinking I don't yeah you know I think I blacked out yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's actually pretty impressive so when you started competing in 2013 you actually won a high lady at the Rock Castle Pro-Am it's Pro-Am yep that's okay. right Rock Castle Pro-Am that's pretty impressive to win something like that the first year that you started out I was honestly just as shocked as anybody else. <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. But I really like, I have to give so much credit again to the Noveski guys because they, they just helped me so much. And even when we weren't at matches, um, I was training a lot with James and um, it was a, it was a really fun experience. And it was, um, I was actually able to shoot. I shot in the amateur side of the match. So the pro-am has um, pros shooting their own match and then the amateur shoot their own match. So I just saw at the amateur side and I was shooting on the same squad with the girl whose video I had seen that got me into three gun. Mm-hmm. So I had been watching her video and I was like, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Like I want to be like her. And then when I went to that match, I was shooting with her on my squad and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is very intimidating. Wow. But she was super awesome and helpful. And then, yeah, I 
happened to pull off a win in that one. And it just made me want to want to go even harder, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break, talk about primary arms. Primary Arms has another awesome new optic in stock and shipping now. It's the GLX 1-6 by 24 FFP. It's available in the ACSS Raptor M6 or Griffin M6 reticles. It's made to bridge the gap between the SLX and the PLX line so that you're getting premium features at a great price. They come with the interchangeable throw lever that you can change out for a folding lever if you want something more low profile, or you can remove it entirely. A really cool feature that they have is configurable uh, turrets. You can switch between having cap turrets so you don't accidentally rotate them off zero, change to tactical turrets if you need to dial for distance or wind regularly. Another essential feature that they have is auto life for the illuminated reticle. It's an absolute lifesaver for me since I'm always forgetting to turn off my reticle. There's a ton of other features too, and you get all of this for $6.99. If you're planning on buying a primary arms optic, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY, all one word, G-U-N-F-U-N-N-Y, and you'll get a free cleaning kit with every primary arms optic that you buy. You're also a firearms instructor, correct? Yes. And when did you decide to become a firearms instructor? Um, So I actually did that before I got into 3-Gun. And I was working with a company out in Nevada where I lived at the time. And uh, they're like, we, I was shooting a ton. And they're like, we would love to have a female instructor to teach, you know, just basic pistol or introduction to firearms for women. And so I went and got my NRA certification just because it's kind of a, you know, a feather in the cap. And people like to see that you're NRA certified. And then I started working with a lot of their instructors and teaching. Uh, I didn't really do any type of tactical class. I don't have a tactical background. I don't want to go and teach things that are out of my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. So I was mostly teaching uh, women's classes and women's introduction to pistol and rifle. And like I said, at the time, I didn't know how to shoot a shotgun. So I wasn't teaching that, but um, pistol and rifle. And then as I progressed through three gun, I started teaching some three gun and doing some teaching with the Noveski team and um, got into teaching a lot of, especially women's three gun classes. And uh, now I teach more back to the basic introduction to firearms and um, basic fundamentals of shooting. And uh, I also still teach three gun classes. Nice. And what state are you in? I'm in Georgia. Okay. And so how have your classes been affected with uh, constitutional carry? Um, I wouldn't say that really affected any of my classes very much. We I didn't really teach concealed carry classes or anything tactical along those lines. It was uh-huh. more shooting fundamentals and introductions. So uh-huh. I haven't really seen any, any change in that. I will say the, obviously the amount of people buying firearms has affected my classes because there are so many more people wanting to learn now. So yeah, in the last couple of years, I'm, we've all seen in the industry an increase in people buying and people wanting to learn. So that's been really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just like curious to see since, you know, let's say 50% of the United States now is constitutional carry, how much it's affected if people are actually taking training classes, which I think, you know, whether you live in a constitutional carry state or not, it's really important to even take a concealed carry class or even the basics to learn even just the basic safeties. I mean, that's, you know, like a life or death situation if, or, you know, all the difference between an accident happening I'm actually writing an article about that right now for Smith and Wesson's blog and how important it is to still take classes, even if you don't need your concealed carry permit, but even just take a class that, you know, they're going to familiarize you with what the laws are so that you're abiding by those laws so that you're not going to end up with a huge lawsuit or time in jail, but also just knowing how to use your firearm effectively. And that's great that you're still teaching, which I didn't know. You ended up taking three years off and during that time, you got married, right? Yes. And then you also had your second child, correct? You have two kids now? That's right. Yep. Two boys. Aw. What made you take the break? Was it just like, okay, I'm going to concentrate on family life or were there any other reasons? That's pretty much what it was. I wanted to be present for my children as much as possible when they're little. I mean, 
everybody says it, but it happens really fast. You know, they grow up really fast Mm -hmm. and I only have that opportunity once in their life. You know, they're never going to be little again. So I wanted to be present for my kids. And my husband and I also started a business and we bought a, a new house. And so we were going through all those life changes too. And it just shooting competitively kind of took a backseat to doing family things at yeah, that point. That makes sense. What kind of business did you guys start? My husband is a, a climbing arborist. So we started a tree care company. Nice. And so, yeah, so he's um out crazy climbing trees every day. And um, <laughs> I do more of the at-home stuff for it. But I also was working full-time still in the firearms industry. So I had a full-time job. We had the business and then we had the two kids. So it was just a lot of a lot of life things that I had to be here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And what were you doing in the firearms industry? What company were you working for? I was working for Masterpiece Arms. I was the sales coordinator selling mostly the bolt action precision rifles. And then uh, recently they came out with a, a double stack nine millimeter 2011 platform pistol. So I'm selling those as well. But I left there. It's been right at about a month right now. Oh, okay. And yeah. so what are your next steps? Uh, so our business, our tree business is very busy. So we're really focusing on that a lot and growing that. And then I am going to be pushing firearms training. Uh, we have a, a property here where I have a private range facility. So I'll be doing training here at our, our new property. And so I really want to get that off the ground here more locally. Nice. And what city in Georgia are you in? We're in Hartwell, Georgia. It's in Northeast Georgia, close to the South Carolina line. Perfect. Um, yeah. Man, it would be awesome if I came out there and trained with you and you could teach me how to shoot shotgun. Gosh, please <laughs> I mean, do. It would be, it would be honestly, amazing. Honestly, though, yeah. I mean, you could teach me how to shoot really anything. I'm, I could use work on everything. So that would be cool you're, if we, you know, coordinated you're a great that. Shooter, but yeah, you're a great shooter, but we could definitely like, we could do some shotgun and just have some fun. I don't yeah. know, blow up some things with Tannerite or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. And especially since you have your own property, it definitely, you know, doesn't restrict us like what you can and can't do, which is always nice. Exactly. That's a huge help. And I've been fortunate to have that. I had that when I first started three gun and then moved to a place where I didn't really have that. I could shoot some guns, but I didn't really have the room to run around and do the things that we do in three gun or shoot any kind of long range. But at our new property, we can shoot out to 500 yards and um, I can run around as crazy as I want. So it's nice to have that back too. Yeah. Tell me the nickname behind Miss Battleborn. So that was, it's funny how that stuck and how it sort of followed me because it was never really meant to be anything, no big deal. But when I started in firearms, I was in Nevada, like I mentioned before, and I was working with some guys in a company that had a class three and they manufactured as well. And they had a lot of full auto stuff. And so we were going out in the desert in Nevada and just blasting full auto it was back when ammo didn't cost what it costs today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were blasting full auto and having a ton of fun and blowing things up with Tannerite. And so they're like, well, we should start a YouTube channel. And I was like, okay. So I just named the channel Miss Battleborn because Nevada is the Battleborn state. Mm-hmm. So I just picked it randomly, Miss Battleborn, and then started a YouTube channel. And it just started to grow. And this was kind of back when there weren't really a lot of fe- females doing social media firearms stuff. Mm-hmm. Really, it was kind of like a new thing. And so I think it just, it, it, I got in at a good time and it just started really gaining ground quickly and gaining followers. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a thing now. So then I started a Facebook page to go with the YouTube channel under Miss Battleborn. And, and there it was. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Isn't it crazy to think like, well, I guess I didn't realize this, but I guess we kind of started in the gun industry around the same time. Like, because I started in 2013 and it's crazy to think that like, even then there wasn't that many females doing what we're doing. There really weren't. There were a handful of, you know, four or five women that I can think of off the top of my head. And they were really, I was like, that's so cool what they're doing. And I want to do that. Yeah. And then it was like, now there it's everywhere and that's awesome. But you're right. There really wasn't that mm-hmm. many back then. Yeah. Which I mean, we're talking about like not even 10 years ago, which is insane yep. because it's yep. not like we couldn't. It was just that a lot of women, you know, I mean, I know personally, I wasn't really 
I don't know. I mean, I, I grew up around guns, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, nope, I'm going to grow up. I'm not, when I get older, I'm going to go to New York city. I don't want anything to do with guns. I'm going to be like CEO of a company. And I just had like had different envisions for myself. And it was just something that I never thought that I'd be doing. And it wasn't like I even grew up like anti-gun or anything. It was just one of those things where I just didn't see guns in my future, which is yeah, kind of stupid. You know, I know. And then also, awesome. also like how dumb when you're young, you just don't realize like whether you're, you know, for or against guns. I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I live alone. So what is giving me a surviving chance if somebody breaks into my house, whether it's one person or multiple people, what's giving me a surviving chance of even getting through that, you know, there's nothing else. There's no other equalizer out there. That was exactly how I was too. And that's exactly how I got into guns, I guess, the same way that you did. And I was single and living alone. And like I said, I had some incidents happen that just made me think like, I'm kind of helpless. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not like a weak woman or anything, but really, what am I going to do against a, a guy who weighs twice what I weigh or exactly. takes me by surprise or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think as you get older, if you're, you know, if you have half a brain as you get older, you kind of realize that and you're like, all right, it probably is a good idea to get a gun. And, you know, I mean, politics aside, it's just one of those things where I think it's just common sense to have a gun nowadays. I agree. I mean, it's a, in our a natural God given right to defend yourself or, mm -hmm. or be able to take care of yourself and, mm -hmm. and to survive. And I mean, that is just something that gives us the means to do it. And yeah. especially I, I did it, I got into it when I was, it was just me. But now that I have kids and the things that happen these days and the, the crime, and I have even more of a duty to, these days to defend my children. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Even more important to me now to be able to carry and, and defend my family. Absolutely. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis. Mantis, I just released a video, YouTube video using the Laser Academy with the X10 and you can use them both together simultaneously. You do need two tablets. So I had my iPhone and then my iPad. The iPad was connected to the X10 and then the iPhone was connected to the Laser Academy because I had put it on a tripod and, you know, and it, it was focused on the, the target and it would tell me, you know, grade me on my accuracy, but you can use them both together. And it's crazy because I have it set up where it tells me exactly my score out loud. And they were pretty much, you know, both apps were saying my score at the exact same time. So they're like right on par with each other. It was a lot of fun. I've been using it to focus on just becoming a better shooter, which even if you've been shooting for years, I mean, there's always more to learn. If you guys, even if you're like, ah, I don't need that, I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised. And the X10 will tell you exactly what you might be doing wrong, whether you're limp wristing, maybe it's your trigger pull, maybe you're gripping the gun, you know, squeezing it too hard or not enough. It's been really helpful. So if you guys want to check that out, head on over to mantisx.com and get yours today. Jana, let's talk about your sponsors. Do you remember when you first got your sponsor? I mean, other than being on the Noveski shooting team, because I remember at one point it was like SHOT Show and I met you and you were signing autographs and you were at the Brownells booth. And I was like, oh, how cool, you know? And I just actually, it was at, at a Brownells event too. I think I still have the picture where it was like you, me and a few other women at this Brownells event. And we took a picture together. Yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. Yeah. So what sponsors have you had throughout your shooting career? Uh, well, when I first came into it. And when I got into competitive shooting, I actually didn't even know people get sponsored and shoot professionally. I just mm -hmm. went to like, have fun. And then I met the Noveski guys and I saw they had all these, you know, their little NASCAR jersey with all their logos on it. And yeah. so I kind of learned about all that stuff. And then when I got on the Noveski team, they had a set of sponsors who sponsored the whole team. So I kind of was brought on with all of those sponsors. And it was Noveski and Benelli and Freedom Munitions. And gosh, it's been so long. I can't remember everybody, but Brownells was one of the sponsors for the Noveski team. And so I shot with the Noveski team for, uh, I believe it was about two years. And then 
the team kind of disbanded and I branched out and I spoke with a, a lot of the sponsors that I already had and continued the relationship with those. And Brownells was kind of the big one for me. They were so awesome to me. I love those guys. They're such a great company. Uh, they really involved in the firearms industry and all aspects of it, competitive shooting and the social media side. And they're just a really great brand. Mm-hmm. And it was such, such a huge honor to be affiliated with them. And it was kind of like, I also had these moments where I'm like, I can't believe that I'm shooting for this company that like this huge company that I, they were like, you know, on a pedestal to me. And mm-hmm. so it was really cool to be able to work with people like that. And they, they put out great content and videos and stuff. So they really helped promote me a lot. And I stayed on with Noveski for a while, shot with them. Benelli, Benelli was great to me. I was on with Freedom Munitions for a while. I worked for them as well. Um, and just several companies that were such great supporters of me. Wild Ear was a great company that supported me for a long time. And I just kind of, as I gradually stopped shooting, I kind of gradually left my sponsorships. And But I had such, I built such great relationships in the community through those sponsorships too. So it wasn't just like, hey, give me some products and I'll put your logo on my jersey. It was like these really great relationships were formed. Mm-hmm. I have to ask, was it kind of nice to take three years off? You know, the social media break was really the best for me. I I think I'm like a, a hermit a little bit. I'm kind of a recluse. So <laughs> it's weird for me putting my life on social media. Mm-hmm. And so I really just, I needed to take a step back from that for a little bit. I don't want to record everything that I do and, mm-hmm. or I didn't want to at the time. I just wanted to be with my kids. And if I wanted to go shoot, I just wanted to go shoot. I didn't want to worry about having to video it or talk to a camera and so the break was was nice for sure, um, yeah. but I definitely missed it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine it being pretty nice because there's times where I feel a little burnt out, especially with social media. But I also pick and choose what I put on, on there. And I'm not the type where it's like I post every day to my story. I mean, there's like I have one friend whose sister is trying to be like a quote unquote influencer. And I got to say, like, I kind of hate the whole influencer thing. Like, I think it's pretty toxic to... just the world, which sounds really funny because I mean, essentially I'm kind of an influencer, but I'd like to think I'm an influencer for the greater good, trying to influence more women to buy guns, protect themselves. I mean, men too, or, you know, show them, you know, different products that they may not know were available, but I don't like the whole influencer thing where it's like, Oh, look at me and my fancy car with my fancy house and my fancy clothes. And it just gives people these like, false beliefs as to like what happiness looks like or what your life should be. And it's funny because I look at her and it's like, we'll go out to eat and we can't eat until she takes pictures of everything. And the whole time that we're eating, she's recording herself doing stuff. And then she's like, Oh, can you take a picture of me over here and a picture of that? And it's like, you really miss out on living in the moment. And I'm like, I really hope that I'm not like that. Whereas, you know, hey, there's days where I'm like, okay, today's going to be a day that I record the entire day. We're going to the range. We have to do this review, shoot this gun, you know, whatever, whatever. But at least I kind of pick and choose where I'm not living my entire life like that because that's exhausting. And then you really don't live in the moment. And I also don't want to add to, I guess, that part in society where it's such a like false I think a lot of it today, like reality has become what we think is reality is just nothing but like, I don't know. It's all just like very false to me and fake, if that makes sense. No, everything that you said is so true. And it really is. And I feel like it's now that I have kids too, I think about things like how hard is it for kids to grow up seeing that? Like, especially just that's not what life is like. And I also don't want to contribute to that just like you. And so the way that I chose and choose to be on social media is I will be getting back into it a little bit more and I want to do it in the way that you're doing it as well. Just Mm -hmm. you have to have a balance and social media is evolving so much too. And so fast you're like, Oh, Facebook is the big thing. Well now it's Instagram. Well now it's TikTok, and trying to keep up with that is also exhausting. Mm -hmm. I agree. When I was at NRA and I was uh, signing autographs, I had a lot of guys come up to me with their daughters and they're like, yeah, you know, my daughter, she wants to be like you. Like, what advice do you have? 
And a lot of them were competition shooters. And I was like, huh, well, I'm not a competition shooter. Like jokes on my sponsors because I don't even shoot that well. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you the same question because I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are like, wow, that sounds great. And, and don't get me wrong. I think, you know, sometimes I complain about social media and the things that I have to do, but like, ultimately, like I love what I do and I love influencing people, especially women. I love that. Like, I mean, this definitely beats working in a cubicle and it definitely has a lot of perks, but I always thought like, okay, that is a good question because if you're anything like me, like my career just kind of took off so fast that I didn't really plan for it. It just kind of happened. But now looking back, I'm like, okay, what were some of the steps that I made that ultimately got me to where I am? Yeah. Um, I agree with that too. And I didn't really, I never, I didn't set out to do what I did really. But then once I, I saw that it was a possibility and shooting's always been a passion for me once I started doing it, mm -hmm. then I started setting goals for myself within that. But I think people got to, it sounds cheesy, but people really got to follow their heart. So, you know, my heart was fully in it. And then I had my kids and my heart was elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's super important. And yeah, to make sure that your heart is like fully in it. Yeah. If you, if you're feeling burnt out, like it's okay to take a break or go where you need to go. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. And then as far as like competition shooting, cause there is a lot of, you know, competitive shooters out there. So what do you think sort of sets you apart from everyone else? Uh, I don't know necessarily what sets me apart, but I think one of the things that I really try to do during my shooting career is mentor like the young women, especially who are getting into it. I really, people coming up to me at shows, like you said, and, and little girls or whatever, and, and they want autographs and they are like, I love your videos and I want to shoot competitively. Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Talking to those people and working with those people. And along the way, I, I worked with several younger junior shooters who I guess I kind of took them under my wing the way that the Novesky team took me under their wing. And that was one of the most rewarding parts for me. Like, I loved that. And I really like, I never felt like I was somebody. I'm just you know, I was just doing what I loved and it was cool that those people looked up to me. So I wanted to just show them that like what I was doing was really possible for anybody to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. For anyone who wants to follow you on social media or I mean, anything that you're doing, are you active on YouTube now? Uh, I have not made a YouTube video in years, so not really. <laughs> well, I, I, would, I think I would like to get back into doing that, though. But it's it's a little hard now, as you probably know, for firearms-related channels and pages to yeah. get a lot of promotion on social media. So yeah. they really, like, uh, shadow ban you or, mm -hmm. or kill your reach and stuff like that. So I was getting a little frustrated with that part of it, too, so... I might dabble into it a little bit, but my YouTube channel is still there. It's Miss Battleborn. Okay. And, and then this, what's your Instagram and Facebook? My Instagram is Jana.Reeves. And then my Facebook, you can find it under Jana Reeves, but I believe it's forward slash Miss Battleborn. Okay. Perfect. So, yeah. All right. All right, guys. We'll go ahead and give her a follow. And if you're in Georgia or if you want to fly out there, like I might. Oh, and actually, do you have a website that people can sign up for the classes and see what's coming up? I actually am working on a website right now because I'm re renaming just, I actually didn't have a firearms training named business. So mm -hmm. I'm working on getting that all underway. So I will have a website soon, but I don't have anything at this point, but if they follow my social media, I'll post updates and stuff on there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. All right. Well, moving forward, Caldwell. If you guys are looking for good, affordable targets for a distance shooting that you could put up anywhere with no setup, check out the 33% pepper popper from Caldwell. The pepper poppers are awesome because they have a spring-loaded target on a steel base that you could just set up out in a field without putting up posts or anything. Just carry the target and stand out there and set it up. The target's a long, skinny silhouette that's popular for three-gun competition. Best of all, the complete target and base are only $99. But again, if you use that code GUNFUNNY10, you're going to get 10% off. And that is GUNFUNNY10, all one word. And that is 10% off. The website is CaldwellShooting.com. Politics. What is going on in the world today? 
It's political AF. Today in politics, new leak on FRT confiscation. Agents with the ATF this week leaked some information on the illegal persecution ATF is conducting on force reset triggers FRT. Last week, I talked about how they were going to people's homes and demanding that they surrender force reset triggers. Since then, some agents have revealed the source of the people that have been visited. Reportedly, all the people visited purchased their triggers on GunBroker. ATF bought from similar sellers on GunBroker and then pressured those sellers to provide them information about who they had previously sold to, which is pretty sneaky. None of the people visited were direct customers of Rare Breed. So if you guys bought directly from Rare Breed, you haven't been targeted, I want to say, yet, because who knows what's going to happen. Agents in the field office have no discretion in whether to go to the buyers or not. ATF headquarters demanded all field offices act on the list of owners that they have compiled. Some agents have been honest with the owners and given them time to decide you know, what they want to do. Other agents have threatened to get warrants or filing like charges if customers don't turn over the triggers. Currently, though, both of those are empty threats. Headquarters has given no directions on next steps if customers don't surrender the triggers at the time. That doesn't mean, of course, that they won't do both in the future. The patent infringement case going on right now between Rare Breed and Wide Open Triggers has a request from the judge for ATF and the DOJ to rule if FRTs are machine guns. The significance of this in the patent case is that if they are, quote, illegal machine guns, then the patent on the technology is void and the infringement case has no standing. We all know that under the actual legal definition, FRTs are not machine guns. They clearly don't fit the definition, but the illegal redefinition of them by the ATF means that they're sure to respond that way in the patent case, which could set precedent for charging people who purchase the triggers in the future. Like I said last week, if you do own an FRT, I would consult with an attorney about what to do if they show up wanting to confiscate your trigger. But pretty crazy. And actually, the article that I read, which was written by Ammo Land, it actually said that a lot of the ATF agents, when they were knocking on the door and talking to these people, they were even saying like, hey, we don't agree with it. This is what we have to do. Some of them were, I mean, they weren't total jerks about it, but still kind of scary. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's also just it's scary in the fact that like here, you know, a citizen buys something totally legal. And then suddenly they change the rules on the definition of what a machine gun is. And now suddenly overnight you're, you know, doing something illegal by having this in your possession, which is just ridiculous to me. It's totally ridiculous. And they do this often with, you know, pistol braces and, and now the FRT and yeah, um, they're like the king of just making you a criminal overnight by changing this vague wording mm-hmm. uh, in their policies. And, and it's also confusing. Their wording is confusing, and I believe it's meant to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, so also, like, whatever happened to, okay, you want to change the rules or the laws, whatever, but whatever happened to being grandfathered into something? And, like, how are you going to tell me that, like, here I buy something with my money, and then you're going to tell me, like, oh, I have to hand it over to you. And Yeah, yeah now give us your bump stocks or you're a criminal. Yeah, and like all of these products were not inexpensive. It's not like, oh, it was just like a five or ten dollar item. I mean, we're talking about a few hundred dollars. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. All right, Franklin Armory. Franklin Armory, they have a binary trigger for the CZ Scorpion, which I actually have a CZ Scorpion and I need to put one in mine. The trigger is made to be compatible with the new Evo 3 Plus and most of the older Evo 3s. If you haven't tried it out, once you get the cadence down, it's the next best thing to, in my opinion, full auto, which is funny because I've asked a few people, I'm like, yeah, have you ever shot binary? And then some people are like, oh, well, I have full autos. And I'm like, oh, okay. But if you don't have a full auto and you want to have some fun on the range, I definitely recommend the binary trigger. It is so much fun. You do go through ammo quick, but luckily they also make it for a 22. So there's that so that it's not going to totally, you know, impact your bank account. But yeah, just so much fun. 
The trigger that I'm talking about for the CZ Scorpion, it comes complete module to drop in for 519. But if you use the code AVA, that's AVA, you're going to get 10% off. And that is FranklinArmory.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is what's the latest on the new frame or receiver rule, which is interesting because I actually just had to put out an ad for 80% arms and I put together this 80% arms. I wasn't going to do like a YouTube video on it, like how to put it together, but I was going to review it like after I put it together and then this whole thing changed and I'm like, oh, I don't want my YouTube video, you know, obviously to get flagged because I'm talking about this 80% arms gun and now that things have changed. So you no longer can just order from the website and get a incomplete frame. Even if it is incomplete, it has to have a serial number, which kind of sucks as it defeats the whole purpose. But in some ways, I mean, it still is kind of fun to put your own handgun together. I mean, just like an AR, which let's face it, is serialized. I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about the complete lower, not the 80% receiver that you would get for an AR-15. But anyway, so ATF issued a number of corrections to the rule two days before it went into effect on Wednesday, which is complete violation to the rulemaking process. The final rule was published on April 26th, and the so-called corrections should have been made far sooner according to the rules. Some of the corrections were formatting, grammar, etc., but some of the changes are actually a lot more significant. One of the changes removed the mention of the manufacturer rule and now mentions remanufactured or remade in the definition of privately made firearms, which the implications of are definitely not clear at this point. Another change was that serial numbers do not have to be on every part, just the frame or receiver, which is kind of nice. There are still three court cases in process against it. Two of them did not get requests for injunctions granted, and the other hasn't been heard yet. If they ever do get a fair day in court, the recent Supreme Court ruling that the EPA and the regulatory agencies can't make sweeping rule changes gives us some hope that it will be struck down, but these cases often take years. Again, like I said, so basically the biggest change are any 80% frame or receiver now requires a serial number and a background check to purchase going forward. So you can still buy them, but they are not going to be unserialized. IWI. IWI's new Masada Slim. Have you had a chance to look at their new Masada Slim? I've seen it briefly, but I really haven't gotten to look too deep into it. So I'm Ugh. excited to hear about it. It's so nice. It just like, I mean, just the recoil, you know, like you said, your first gun was the kel 380. It's tiny. You're like, oh, it's going to be really easy to manage. And it's like, oh, joke's on us, you know, if yeah. you're a beginner because it's not. But I got to say, like the Masada Slim for its size, the recoil is just... It's probably the least amount of recoil for its size um, compared to when I compared it to the Sig P365, the Springfield Hellcat, any of those guns that are, you know, within the micro compact, you know, category. I think that the Masada Slim shoots the best and best of all. So it comes with two 13 round mags. The price of it is 450 MSRP. So, you know, street price is going to be, you know, a lot less than that. The best thing, though, is it's compatible with the Jericho mags. So if you want, you can fit a 17-round magazine in it, and they're actually making these sleeves for it. So there's not going to be like that awkward gap between the magazine and the bottom of the grip, which, you know, is like a win-win. It is optic-ready. It also comes with irons that you can co-witness through any of like the Shield, the Romeo Zero, or the Halson 507K compact rod dots. And when you go and check it out at IWI.us, if you find any accessories in the web store, remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to give you 15% off. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today's Tacti Talk, Paulison releases the new EPS Red Dots. 
This week, Holosun just released their latest line of red dots, and it's one that you definitely should check out. Their enclosed pistol site, which is what EPS stands for, the EPS line has the emitter enclosed inside the housing, which is a big upgrade since the emitter is protected from dust, pocket lint, and other debris. This is an especially popular request for concealed carry since lint can block the emitter when you carry it every day, but until now, only larger red dots have had the enclosed emitters. The really great news is not only are they available for standard size pistol dots, but also for micro compact pistols. The EPS is the same footprint as the 507C and the EPS carry is the same footprint as the 507K. Both versions have pull-out battery trays so that you don't lose your zero when you replace the battery. The base versions of both come with the six MOA dots with the choice of red dot for $388 or the green ones for uh, $405. The upgraded MRS version of both also include Holosun's signature solar panel to extend the life of the battery and provide emergency power. You can also choose between two MOA dots and 30 MOA circles and the combination of the two for reticles. MSRP on the red dot, MRS is $470 and 505 for the green. Obviously, street price, like I said, MSRP, is it's going to be a little bit less than MSRP. But I think it's a great idea. I definitely want to try it out. It's just like, man, what a time to be alive, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, especially with red dots, I mean, nowadays it's hard to even find a gun, like a new gun that comes out that isn't optic ready. And even when... If you're messing with like the Mantis system or something like that, like they get on target using a red dot so much quicker than using just the sights that are on the pistol. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And from a competitive shooting side of things, red dots are really taking over too. They're putting new divisions in place in three gun and, um, or, or talking about letting uh, red dots into existing divisions to change them just because the popularity and the availability of those has exploded in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I will say, I feel like I've gotten, you know how like a lot of older people are like, yeah, but you got to use your irons, you know, and red (laughs) dots aren't going to last forever or the battery is going to go dead and stuff like that. And like, so, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I learned off of, you know, using sites and irons and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, but now I'm learning with, you know, a red dot, but It's funny because after taking the AK class and using irons the entire class, it's weird how rusty I got. Like, it's almost embarrassing. And then I said this in the last episode, but I'm almost embarrassed to admit that the front post on the AK, you know how it has like the front sight, but then like the little walls that are covering it. So it's like it looks like three prongs. I would go to line up my sight so quickly that sometimes it was the wall that was covering the front sight. I would use that as the front sight instead of the actual front sight. And I wasn't even hitting the target. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I know I don't (laughs) suck that bad. And I'm like embarrassed to even admit that. So it's also, if anything, I learned like maybe go back through your guns and also work on using, you know, those irons just in case, even though, you know, I mean, yeah, red dots, although I don't even know if you call them red dots anymore because they're not all red, but definitely, you know, I'd say train with both because you just never know what situation you're going to be in. Yeah. And yeah. And shooting any type of shooting, any form of shooting is a perishable skill. So if you don't Mm -hmm. use your irons, if you don't use your, if you don't train with your daughter, if you're not shooting regularly, you you know, your trigger control kind of goes slips a little bit. So any kind of shooting is a perishable skill. So exactly what you said, it's important to train with, to be a well-rounded shooter, not Mm -hmm. just totally reliant on one piece of equipment that has the potential to fail. Yeah. And also to train on all types of guns, you know, like AKs, ARs, handguns, revolvers. I mean, even if it's not what you're using, like growing up, my mom, she wanted me to learn how to drive a stick shift just because she's like, even though you don't own a stick shift, you don't know if you're going to be in a situation where that's the only car that you're left with and you have to get out of a bad situation. And so it's kind of like the same goes with, you know, all different categories of firearms as well. It's just good to know how to use everything. Yeah, great advice. And I admire those people who, you know, they have those shows, Top Shot or whatever the shows were, where people can, they're good shooters, but they can pick up anything and shoot it well. Mm-hmm. And I admire that. There's a shooting competition that they did t- towards that. That was 
popular over the, I think it was an NRA based shooting competition, but that's what it was. They had all these different manufacturers, had all different types of stage guns. So you just had to pick up and shoot what was there on the stage or, and so you were shooting irons or dots or AK or AR. And I really admire well-rounded shooters who can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That actually sounds like a lot of fun and like a really great way to test your skills. Exactly. It, I never got to go, but it looked awesome. It was kind of a match on my bucket list. I don't know if they're still doing it anymore or not, but um, well, it, luckily, it looked like a really fun match. Luckily, though, you have all this property, so you can kind of set up your own match and sort of do that. Yeah, just <laughs> bring out my rusty gun collection yeah. and dust it all off. <laughs> yep, exactly. Manicore Arms. Guys, I'm sad to say that today is Manicore Arms' last episode as a sponsor of this show. It's really sad because they've been with Gun Funny from really the beginning. I mean, I think it was like a few months in, four months in that I started the podcast when they started sponsoring. So, I mean, we're talking about a few years, at least like four and a half years. But, you know, obviously, like I ended things on good terms. I'll still be updating you with like the latest gear that they come out with. I still plan on putting all of Manicore Arms stuff on my new Tavor SBR. You're still going to hear from them, just not on the show. But I would recommend if you guys have been putting off anything that you want to buy from ManicoreArms.com, definitely use that code AVERROCKS15, all one word, that's going to get you 15% off anything that's on their website. And again, that is ManicoreArms.com. And I would just like to thank Sven and Manicore Arms for sponsoring the show for so long. And for taking a risk on the show when who knows what it was going, you know, you never know what you're going to be sponsoring, especially when it first starts out. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate all of the continued support over the years. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment, police in Toronto have a Twitter account called TPS guns seized that basically shows guns that they've like seized in the city. This week, they posted a picture of a revolver that's absolutely roast worthy. And I'm sure you've seen it. If you've been on social media, it's kind of hard to miss. And at first I was like, why is this gross ass rusty revolver like making its rounds? And now I know why. So the revolver is like thoroughly rusted. It's hard to even tell for sure what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's a Harrington and Richardson 1904 double action revolver. This thing's so deteriorated. The metal frame is at the state where it's just barely enough metal left to hold all the rest together. Literally no part of the revolver will even move. It looks like it's spent probably like 100 years in a buried swamp. The only possible danger of this gun that I could think of is like if you threw it at somebody, but even then it's so deteriorated that it would probably break apart like a dirt clod if you hit anyone. So, I mean, they weren't really saving anybody by getting this off the streets. Twitter users, of course, roasted the account for the post. One user said, once owned by Billy the Kid. Another one said, is this the gun that killed all the dinosaurs? Pouring in on another said, can't believe George Washington would do this, to which someone replied, even dead, George would keep his guns in better condition. A spokeswoman for the Toronto police was asked if the account was an official Toronto police account. She said it shows pictures of real guns we've seized. It's also good to get guns off the street. She also conceded that it's unusual to find one in that condition. Yeah, so this gun was probably taken from a criminal, but no one seeing this thing would believe it was capable of firing. And if you guys want to check it out, you can click on the show notes. Otherwise, I'm sure, like I said, if you're on social media, unless you live under a rock, I'm sure you've seen it and it is in pretty bad condition. Now it's time to wrap up. So we only have one iTunes review. If you guys haven't, just if you have an iPhone really easy, just search for the podcast app. Search for Gun Funny, scroll down, and you can leave a review. Today's review is from Badger1812, Great Mother Ducking Podcast. Five stars. Really enjoy and appreciate the content of the show. I have finally caught up and listened to all episodes. Love the guests and topics, and I really enjoy learning about industry and keeping up with political 2A current events. I recommend the show to everyone. Congrats on kick-ass sponsors and successful show. I visit Colorado often and plan on trying to coordinate a trip with one of your classes. Keep up the good work. Sorry to hear about tickles. Until Bahala, 
And then in parentheses, Odin had no idea what was coming. And I appreciate that, especially with Tickles. And actually, Jenny, you were really nice to reach out to me um, after my dog passed away. And you, you know, it's like sad because like when things like this happen, everybody like pours in and, you know, and says like gives their condolences and stuff. But yours just really hit hard, like what you messaged me. And so I really appreciate that, you know, because times like that are tough. And I still think about Tickles all the time. I think I've said this on the show. I wasn't expecting to get another dog, especially after the heartache. You're like, you're like, nope, I'm done. I don't want another dog. It's just like you get way too attached and the heartache and it's just like not worth it. And obviously I lasted maybe a month and a half. And then I was in Home Depot and saw somebody selling Chihuahua puppies. Although it's debatable if she's a Chihuahua. She sure as hell is not a teacup Chihuahua because she's already like six pounds, but It's crazy how you think like, oh, I'll never love a dog the same way. And you definitely like I've between tickles and peaches, like I definitely love them differently. But peaches is like definitely grown on me so quickly. And she does kind of remind me a lot of like tickles, like the things that she does and stuff, which brings back good memories. So it's kind of a it's kind of nice to be reminded, you know, but actually, didn't you just get a new puppy, Jana? I did. I've had her for like two weeks now. And yeah, when, when you lost tickles, I just like my heart hurt for you because I've been there too. And especially when you're, you know, you're, it's just you and your dog. And mm-hmm. there's just something really special about that bond. And I think dogs are probably one of the biggest blessings that life has to offer for real. Like I agree. they're just amazing. And so, yeah, I felt your pain. I really did. Cause I've been there. And so we lost one of my, I've, had two kind of, I guess you would call them heart dogs. And I lost mine last one about a year ago to cancer. And so I've just been like, I felt like I wasn't ready. And then the opportunity came along and I got this puppy and it instantly just like in love with the puppy, you know? Did it make you realize like, okay, I forgot how hard it is to raise a puppy and all the... (laughs) Oh yeah. But I also have, my kids are five and three. So I'm recently in the toddler phase of that. So I'm already traumatized from right. toddlers. So yeah, it's kind of, it kind of just plays right into there. I'm like, oh, we're doing this again. Like you're eating everything off the floor and you're just pooping everywhere. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's kind of familiar territory. I yeah, I know. Like as soon as I got peaches, I was like, what was I thinking? I mean, for like a good month, you have to watch them like a hawk. She would wake yeah. up like twice in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And of course you're like, you don't want to pee on your bed. And everybody's like, oh, just kettle her. But she's such a small dog that like, I don't want her just like peeing in her kennel. And she was such a little cuddler that I'm like, well, I feel bad just like leaving her in the kennel. And what if she gets cold and stuff? And so she'd like (laughs) sleep, like cuddled up, like right on my chest. And it was just like the cutest little thing. But it was also just you go through this period where you're like, how long is this going to last? And what was I thinking? And I guess if I had to do it all over again, maybe I would have gotten a dog that was like, a few months old or maybe a year old, but I am, you know, I'm super happy that I got another dog. So if anyone is thinking about, you know, if you lost a dog and you're like, oh, I'm not going to get another one. I mean, I don't know. I would definitely kind of recommend it or have you think harder about it because it's just, and think about all the dogs out there that need good homes. I would do it again, but I do know that that heartache is, you know, when you lose them, it's just, it's hard you'll know if you're ready. And yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I say like the pain of losing him, it is one of the worst pain that mm-hmm. you, I think that you can go through, but the joy of owning them or having them for their lives is worth it. I know. And even now, cause I still live alone and it's funny how I like, I talk to peaches all the time or I like play with her yeah. or, and I'm like, <laughs> what am I mental? <laughs> it just cracks me up. <laughs> even right now, she's just sleeping on my lap, like a cute little, like a good little baby puppy. I love her so much. (laughs) Okay, so Badger1812, contact me. You are the winner. Also, good news, I did send out all the prize packs, and I apologize for the delay, but everybody who has written a review, I should be up to date other than Badger1812. But yeah, contact me at gunfunny.com, which you can find links to everything, social media, YouTube. If you like the show, you should consider becoming a Patreon. You could do so, again, at gunfunny.com. Just click on the support the show link. Also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, 
Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Writings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Jana, thank you again for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. I love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Love to see another female in the industry, especially, you know, instructing, teaching others, because I think that that is just so important. You know, education is key, especially for keeping our rights. So thank you so much for doing that. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on social media? Yes. And thank you so much for having me. I feel the same way about you as well. Like you're, what you're doing is awesome. So it is an honor to be on your podcast. And um, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, my YouTube channel, not super active there, but it is Miss Battleborn. My Instagram is Jana.Reeves. And then my Facebook, you can search Jana Reeves, or I believe it's forward slash Miss Battleborn as well. All right. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, wish me luck on this uh, three gun adventure that I'm getting myself into in North Carolina and you will hear about it next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.